0: Oh, damn, flim, dog. Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to the Longview Podcast. Happy New Year. We are back. I had a little small hiatus. I had Brandon Abraham cover for me one week because he had an extraordinary interview with Ahmad Kaver, who is now on a hardship deal with the Indiana Pacers, as well as Shat Buchanan, who had had a hardship deal with the Memphis Grizzlies talking with them before the g-league showcase and then just with the holidays and stuff and me going out of town I, i didn't have anything the week of christmas or the week of new year's but we are back hopefully weekly every week as long as i'm able to but it's gonna be a fun show it's gonna be a fun year and i'm excited to dive in for my first full year with this podcast so can't wait to say can't wait to see what that's all about but let's get into today's show but first Make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you got to do to the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network so you get every single episode of the Longview, GBB Live, the 3&D podcast, the Core 4 podcast, and the Starting 5 podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the producer of the Giannato and Jeffrey Show every weekday from 2 to 4. He is also the host of the Sound and Color podcast. He is a host for the BetQLU in the Action one of my favorite, probably my favorite person to talk Grizzlies with. In fact, it's none other than my good friend, Connor Dunning. Connor, how are you doing
1: today, sir? I'm good, man. Happy New Year. That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. You're also probably my favorite person to talk Grizzlies with because, you know, you know just as the co-founders of, of many of the islands, it's, uh, we always try to keep a positive attitude about it. It's always enjoyable.
0: I mean, at this point right now, with the way the Grizzlies have been over the past month or so, there's really no reason to be negative
1: no so you're telling me that people don't want to fire the coach of the month now is that what you're telling me because 10 games in people wanted to fire him (laughs) yeah how silly was that
0: i know it's almost like you should let um like historical data kind of speak for itself instead of like reacting over a very early (laughs) sample i mean we've we've known that taylor jenkins is a good coach and then the team struggles for a little bit, and then next thing you know, like they're like, oh, let's fire him. And then, you know, the Grizzlies went 15 of 19 games. They went 12 and four in December, and they were literally dominant in the month of December. And it speaks for itself. Taylor Jenkins is getting the flowers he deserves as the coach of the month for the month of December for the Western Conference. So pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. But Connor, I really wanted to get, you on this show to one talk about just this awesome past month, just some takeaways from there, but also some new year's resolutions. I I know you probably have some personal new year's resolutions as well, but it, the Grizzlies surely they have some that really are going to impact the long term. Well, long view, in fact, picture for the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean the past month has just been basically euphoria for grizzlies fans i mean it's the best stretch of basketball that we've seen since the since the grit and grind era i mean just like they're 15 and 4 in the last 19 like you said they're 9 and 1 in the last 10 home game or last 10 road games which is pretty wild they're 14 and 7 on the season against above 500 teams which is great that just that's just a great sign for the playoffs and moving forward this is their third their third five game winning streak this season they have a four and a half game lead in the division a four and a half game lead uh, for fourth in the Western Conference, and they are number one in net rating and wins since December 1st. This team is just – they're just clicking on all cylinders right now, and it is, you know – they're doing it in ways that are impressive and that it's a lot of it's just straight-up effort. It's, it's the defensive side of the ball. Like, at the beginning of the season, the reason the Grizzlies were kind of – I wouldn't say they were inconsistent. They were just kind of up and down. They would have, like, a really bad loss here and there. It was just because the defensive effort wasn't there and and the perimeter defense wasn't there as much as we had seen in the past. But when they got Dylan Brooks back, they got healthy. We saw them really flip the switch. Steven Adams looks like he has really figured out what his role on this team is. And to be honest, I think that's probably my first resolution for the Grizzlies this year. And we talked about it on Giannotto and Jeffrey a lot this week is that, you know, just the Grizzlies need to just stick. To this, to the rotation and the roles that they have right now, when they're fully healthy, of course. I'm not talking about when everybody's out with health, health and safety protocols, but when they have a full roster, it has really figured out, or it has seen that they have really figured out what the pecking order on this team is. They they have established, they have established the starting lineup, and thank God they have finally put back together the trio of Melton, Tyus, and Brandon Clark. And as we have been seeing when Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark on the basketball court at the exact same time, good thing, good things happen every single time.
0: Absolutely. And I do think like a point to bring up in like the early season struggles and just how the team's just really gelling right now is when they were, I think I heard this on the Chris Vernon show, actually, when they were starting through really, when you think about it, when you had John Morant, and then Dylan Brooks was out, so you had John Morant, Anthony Melton, Desmond Payne, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. The only guy who actually like, started for the majority of the season last year for this Grizzlies team was Ja. So you have all these guys getting used to new roles, and you had Steven Adams, who is the anchor of the defense, who's having to learn a new defensive scheme. So obviously when your anchor's having to learn it, you could have some faults, whether it is pick-and-roll coverages or it's allowing too many points in the paint or bad rotations, stuff like that. But now that you can really see that he's finding his rhythm in that, I know Desmond Bain alluded to it last night in postgame. So I think they're just now figuring out their roles and figuring out the expectations. Exactly. But also, I, I think there's kind of a hint that probably after that Minnesota game where it was like kind of that – or even the Atlanta game where things kind of like turned around for them defensively. Uh, I I feel like they really nailed home, like, what the struggles were defensively, what they need to correct it, and how to get back to playing Grizzlies basketball and playing that standard of defense that we've been used to seeing for the past two and a half seasons now.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned it, you know, this offseason, you know, coming into the season, we were all, or you and I at least, were trying to tell people, you know, we have got to keep our expectations in check for this team this season because, yes, they went on a – they made it to the playoffs last year. They, they won one of them. Uh, it was a great game. It was a, it was a competitive series, even though, even though they lost 4-1. It was still a competitive series. They beat the Warriors to get into it. So everyone kind of had this expectation of, oh, they're going to be this, this, and this, and this, and this. But they did have some new pieces coming in. So we kept telling people, listen, I mean, uh, you and I both thought that they were going to be better than they were last year, and it has mm. – come to fruition and they are because we thought it would be addition by subtraction because trading off Jonas would give more shots to Jaron Jackson Jr. and give more shots to Dylan Brooks, to Desmond Bain, John Morant and that is what has happened. It just took two weeks or three weeks to get there because like you said this is it was a new group of guys, and you're still dealing with one of the youngest teams in the NBA. You're asking Desmond Bain to have a new role. You're asking Dylan Brooks to have to basically be the number two scorer on the team. Jaren Jackson Jr. is coming back from major injury. He had just signed a huge or a max extension, so like he's trying to live up to that. So we've got like we have got to be patient with these guys, and that patience has paid off because we are seeing that the lumps that they were taking early and some of the bad losses that they were taking early, they have learned how to win. That's been the biggest difference between last year and this year's team for me is that in those moments where you feel like the other teams might be coming back, almost like last night with the Brooklyn game, I never get worried unless it gets to 10 points. If they're up by 20, if it gets to 10, that's when I might get a little bit, I'm like, okay, let's, let's get it together here. But this team, they have really figured out how to kind of suffocate a team just slow death it's like a slow suffocation they'll put it on them early in the first quarter they kind of punch them in the mouth get them on their back heels and then they just kind of suffocate them with that defense and then Ja or bane or dylan will have just a massive quarter it seems like every single night or jaron and that just puts him to bed and it's no surprise i mean one of my very best friends he works for the bucks he 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 works for the bucks i talked to him almost nightly. He's my call of duty guy. We play almost nightly. And every single time we talk, we compare the two teams. First off, Grayson's having a great season, which is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Cause I get to still root for him up there, but he has talked about, you know, the Grizzlies play like the bucks do. If you watch a bucks game, it's very similar to how the Grizzlies play basketball. They just suffocate you with defense. And then one of their guys puts 20 on you in a quarter. And it's just, yeah. it's, it, it's no surprise that Taylor Jenkins came from Budenholzer's tree and the Grizzlies look like the bucks. They're, I mean it's fantastic and the way that this team having this young core already is they I mean they, they're three years ahead of where they should be. like where we talk about oh they're a year ahead or they're like three years ahead of where they should be. like the night that they drafted John Moran, if you had told me in year three that they'd be the four seed, I would have been like, what are you talking about? like what ha- we must have traded for an all-star. Turns out we just have one. And his name is John Moran. he's a superstar. he should be a starter. I'm not sure if he's going to be, but he absolutely should be. And then the emergence of Desmond Bain this season, I think, has just been so joyous because we've never had a guy like that before. Every single time he shoots the basketball, I think it's going in. Every single time. I mean, the last guy that we had like that was Mike Miller, kind of, I guess. But it wasn't as automatic as, as Bain is. It's His first quarter scoring is very, very impressive. And I think it's important to the team because – even if Ja might be, get going a little bit slow, Jaron's kind of in a slump right now. He'll shoot himself out of it, but you can rely on Desmond Bain to give you like seven points in that first quarter. And I think it's so great to have, to have that reliance there. You, you can trust him. And I think that's another big thing this team has is trust. They all trust each other. They love playing together. The chemistry's there. The assist numbers are up They're They're calling out assignments. They don't get pissed at each other. And it seems like, you know, when they when they need to talk as a team, they do it and they and everyone commits. I think commitment is the number one thing that this team has is that they're just like, listen, we are going to bust our ass every single night. It doesn't matter what the score is, we're gonna bust our ass. I mean, we've seen them come back many times this season just because of effort.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that you brought up about Desmond Bain that I think is really cool in his growth is like I know points like aren't the entire barometer or anything of a player's performance or whatever, but the fact that even, like, in off-shooting nights, Desmond Bain is still scoring, like, 17 or 18 points, that's, like, pretty pretty massive because that kind of solidifying, hey, this is another guy next to John Morant that you know no matter what, he's going to get you at least, like, 15 to 20 points a night. And I think that's such a luxury to have on the wing. You are absolutely right. He is a kind of where it's, like, Oh, the shot's going to go in. But some of the stuff that he's done recently with his pull-up shooting, whether it's from three or from the mid-range, how he's attacking the basket. But, dude, I don't know how often you just, like, kind of watch a few possessions and just watch them move off the ball. But yeah. it's just absolutely insane. Like, I know him and Stephen Adams have really developed that chemistry in, in that triple uh, handoff game, whether it's fake DHOs for uh, bounce passes or just the triple handoffs in general. Or just straight cuts. Uh, Our good friend Stuart Carter said last night that (laughs) even Adams and Desmond Bain have a better connection than Jim and Pam. But
1: I mean, they do. I mean, we can argue about Jim and Pam's connection. I mean, it got rocky there in the late. It
0: did. It did get a little rocky. But before uh, we completely go too overboard and talking about the office, but no, this team is just really kind of revving it up. And one thing that I've really noticed here recently is just. You know, they, you said they suffocate you with defense and then they explode. Their third quarter net rating has been the best in the leagues. And it was the best, best in the league in the month of December. They outscored opponents by 13.3 points per 100 possessions. And they had the second best defensive rating in that third quarter. And I was like trying to compare it to see if there was any, if the third quarter was an outlier. But my God, that, that OKC game kind of just like skewed the heck out of their December net rating because their first and second quarter ones were just as high or higher than the third quarter ones. I'm like, well, there goes my point. Like, Should I I still make it? But just like with the eye test and stuff and just what I saw in that Brooklyn game last night is the Grizzlies just are developing that switch where, you know, they kind of like – it's like, all right, letting them hang in there. Not letting them hang in there. Like, okay, we're not playing up to our standard right now, um, but we're still in this game. It's all good. We'll figure it out. And then next thing you know, that third quarter comes and they just come out the gates blitzing. And it's really fun to watch. Like it's it's and really, it's all fun to watch. If we're gonna be completely honest, it's all fun to watch because of John Morant. The dude is just an absolute superstar right now. I mean, he's he's a guy who you can legitimately say that he's an MVP contender and you're not really sounding like a homer. Like he's getting MVP chance in his road. On away games, like I don't think people are really capturing. I think people are kind of capturing, but like it's still kind of surreal as to how special it is what John Moran's doing. It's just unbelievable. And that's what makes this Grizzlies team so dangerous, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, what John's doing this season, there's really not much more that you could say. He's a, I mean, he's a, I think he's definitely, he should be an MVP conversation. The Grizzlies are like, he's not going to win, but he should be. A, he should get a vote or two. Like he, he should. Like you can, you can say now he is a top two point guard in the NBA. And if someone argues against you, you have ammo back. Like you're like Steph's clearly number one. Number two is up for grabs, and it's not Dame this year. It's not Chris Paul. It's not Trey. I think it's John ja. Like it, it's gotta be John Rand because he affects the entire game. And to his credit, his defense has gotten a little bit better. And to be honest, like the big thing that we wanted to see coming into the season for him was just to be become absolutely lethal from 16 feet, which he has become and around the rim. Like, I think that he is in his paint, like points in the paint or something, the group of people he's with, it's like Giannis Jokic and like all these big men. And then it's like John Moran. It's just – it's remarkable what he's doing. But the biggest thing that he has done is that three-point shot. It's, he's shooting 40% on the season. hes I think he's like 14 for his last 19 or something like that from three. He's absolutely on fire right now. But he is making the defense respect that shot. And to be quite honest, you don't have Jonas Valanciunas down there clogging the paint like he was last year because last year the M.O. against Jaw was just don't let him get in the paint, force him to shoot. And that's how teams could kind of disrupt his flow of play. This season, with Stephen Adams being so much better at the pick and roll and moving around, because when you watch the game, even if Stephen Adams doesn't have the ball in his hand, he just moves around all the time. So he's never just clogging in the paint so John can get to the rim. And then the Grizzlies were like, okay, what are we going to do? We've got John Morant, so let's surround him with shooters. Like, let's put the Bane on the floor. Dylan Brooks on the floor, Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor. You have to respect all of their shots. Every single one of them can pop off for three at any moment. So they just – Taylor Jenkins, King Kleiman, and and company have just built a really good, deep squad. I mean, we haven't even talked about the bench unit yet and how deep that team has gone. Like, John Conjar basically turned into Steph Curry for a month, which was fun to watch. It's just this team, 1 through 15, i put them up against anybody. I mean, you go and you look at the games that they are winning. They're, they're beating teams that, like you said, have that switch that they like to flip. Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets, they have that switch. They tried to flip it last night, and they couldn't. The Lakers have tried to flip that switch against them. They couldn't. The Warriors have tried to flip that switch against them. They couldn't. The Phoenix Suns tried to flip that switch against them, and they couldn't. They're winning big games in big situations and on the road. Their road record, I think, is what is really impressive. They're really Doing well on the road in big games and big environments, and they, and it's it's fun to see that they are hyped up for these games. You know, I truly think that every team that the Grizzlies see in front of them, they think they can beat, and it's that confidence. It's that it's not overconfidence; it's just confidence in knowing that if we execute and do what we're supposed to do, we're going to be in it at the end of this game with a chance to win.
0: Yeah, that kind of you, – you kind of just nailed home my point. That is like my big takeaway that I've seen from the Grizzlies in this past month stretch is just the depth on this team, the next man up approach with this team. For one, it just goes with the culture that Taylor Jenkins has set, the system that he has in place. He empowers his guys to go play their games. He puts them in spots to just kind of simplify things. He doesn't make things overcomplicated for players like – he doesn't make things complicated for like guys like Jarrett Culver, Killian Tilly, John Contarch, just go out there, play your game, and the rest will take care of itself. And it has. And also too, with Zach Klein and his ability to be finding these guys too, you know, your John you your Killian Tilly, it's like how you were able to get DeAnthony Melton in a cast-off trade because somebody didn't want Josh Jackson um, identifying Tyus Jones. I think this one's really underrated. Like identifying yeah, Tyus, Tyus Jones.
1: Yeah. Like where, that's the big one for me It's Tyus. It's like he's, uh, his value is through the roof. It's the fact that Jock ja can go out for the length of time that he did and Tyus Jones is able to stabilize the ship and allow it not to sink is so impressive. And I think Brevin tweeted it out last night. Like he's probably the best backup in the NBA. And it's probably a gap. Like it's probably like Tyus and a gap in whoever number two is like I don't even know who number 2
0: is. And one thing that's really crazy with that is that in Minnesota, he was playing behind Jeff Teague and Derrick oh, Rose. God. Like God, Jeff Teague isn't even in the league anymore. Like Man, that just dope. tells you
1: what the Timberwolves have been like for the last what 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's they
0: traded away Kevin Garnett
1: pretty but, much.
0: But identifying him as a guy's like okay, we want this guy to be Josh's backup um be his uh not like a safety net. But I mean, that was probably kind of the mo when they signed him was like, okay, if you know, if Jaw's not 100 ready, if he's having his lumps, then you have this backup point guard that we can still play 20 minutes a night while Jaw plays 25 minutes a night. Like you had that kind of guy. But all I mean now it's turned into, hey, you have your guy that if something happens to Jaw, the ship can continue running. And Ty Ty's has been playing awesome. He's been playing with a lot of confidence. I, I have more on. This uh, topic later, and uh, not to spoil too much in our resolutions, but just and then just his ability to just or Zach Kleinman's ability to just hit on the margins with these guys and really kind of just make these moves to build depth and to get these guys or to put the team in a position where no matter who's in on any given night, I mean, Taylor Jenkins, he says he goes 10, 10 man rotation every night. No matter who's in that 10 man rotation, they're going to put themselves in a position to win because it's simple they have smart the mo is get smart players who can triple pass and shoot and it it sounds so simple it really does but like
1: because it it, is yeah it is basketball i mean we every i feel like almost every podcast that we do we usually say this basketball is a simple sport don't overcomplicate it the grizzlies don't overcomplicate it. They look at players like Desmond Bain or Brandon Clark, and people are like, oh, well, they're, they're fourth year in college. They're a little old. they got short arms, and, and climbing, and Jenkins are like, and one of them can shoot the leather off the ball, and Brandon Clark is does everything. Bring him here, and we're going to figure out how to use him. Like, it, it, it's almost it, – they're not necessarily an island of misfit toys. It's more like an island of, of just people being dumbasses that missed yeah. on these guys. It's like kind that. of remarkable. Like it's, when you look at the roster, there's every, I mean, NBA Twitter does it all the time. Everyone's always kind of like, how did they get this group of guys? (laughs) When you go and you look at the team, John and Jaron are the only high draft picks. Everyone else was not. It's kind of remarkable, the team that they were able to put together. And like you said, it's because they have an archetype of guys that they look for. High IQ that can do more than one thing on the basketball court. That's pretty much it. Can you do – are you a two-way player? Cool, come play for the Grizzlies. Can Are you a really good defender and, and you're a good passer? Come play for, for the Grizzlies. Do you turn the ball over or do you not turn the ball over? Come play for the Grizzlies. It's just they, they just find, find the guys that they know can work in their system. And you talked about that 10-man rotation. One thing I really like about what Taylor Jenkins is doing, and he kind of started doing it last year, but he's really committed to it this season, is he'll start the same – the starting lineup when everybody's healthy. We know what that is. Yeah if he has a lineup at the end of the night, that's working, he'll close with that lineup. And I like that commitment to it. He's like, these are the guys that are working right now. They're going to close the game. And I think that that's one of the reasons we've seen the Grizzlies be able to, you know, close on a lot of these games. It's because he sticks with the guys that are hot and he trusts them. It's again, he trusts them. Basketball is a simple sport. If guys are playing well together, let them play well together. It's that simple.
0: Right. I agree with that. And it, it just kind of, like, I, I remember seeing this even, too, in Taylor Jenkins' first year where, you know, you'd be looking up and you're like, wow, Taylor Jenkins is closing with Brandon Clark and Jonas Valanciunas while Jaron Jackson sits on the bench. Or as, I mean, and to bring things into this year, it'd be, oh, Jenkins is closing with Adams and Anderson. Jackson's on the bench. Or I remember even the MLK game, I want to say they had Ja, Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain. And Dylan Brooks was on the bench. And then, so you know, Grayson Allen hits a big three in the corner to get the Grizzlies to win. So I, I think this is just very important because there's going to be a time where you're not going to have Jaron or you're not going to have John Morant on a rookie contract. He's going to get a Supermax deal. That's like more yeah, of yeah. an inevitable kind of thing. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., his extension kicks in next season. You have guys, you'll have guys like Bang Do for extensions. Dylan Brooks deserves a well raise payday from 11 million dollars annually but you're, you're gonna come to a time where you're really gonna have to figure out stuff on the margins when it comes to team building and you're draft picking like you're not going to be picking in the like in the top 10 or in the early teens anymore like, you're gonna be picking in the low 20s or I guess high 20s more often than not or you're gonna be picking deep into the second round you're gonna be tr- trying to find two-way guys. And just the Grizzlies and Zach Kleiman's ability to do that and Taylor Jenkins' ability to develop those guys, your your John Conchars, Killian Tillies, Xavier Tillman's, Desmond Baines, guys like that, that's gonna be important for the long-term construction of this team because when when what I, I'm gonna ask you this what happens when you consolidate? When you consolidate and you trade for a star? Is there anything what do you lose?
1: you talking about all the grizzlies what are, what Listen, the name oh, in
0: general in general when you consolidate what do you
1: um lose? i mean you lose chemistry you know you usually lose a little bit of chemistry you lose some cap you lose cap flexibility um i mean you lose depth like that's yeah. just the, i that mean that's the name. thing that's going to happen yeah it's like you're going to have to lose some depth and i mean you're talking about all those guys and it's like they found another one like Tyrell Terry like them going out and getting him is is a great move and it's also to me at least signals that it's a little bit of a protection for when Tyus goes because uh, we love Tyus Jones we've been giving him praise on this podcast as he should and the entire fan base is giving him his flowers and I'm happy that they're doing that but at the end of the day they're not going to be able to pay him like he's going to be he's going to get priced out of the Grizzlies because he should be a starter in the NBA he should be a starter somewhere so he'll get starter money and he'll go probably be a starter for somebody but having a guy like Tyrell Terry a little guy like someone that you can develop behind a guy like John Moran because you know that jaw can give you a certain number of minutes, but then you got Tyrell Terry there. If you can develop him into something, that would be fantastic. And it's and you wouldn't have to break the bank for that. It's like you said, they're they're really good at knowing when they're gonna have to spend money and how and how to maximize that money that they have. That's been what they're really good at. It's maximizing the money that they have. Like you said, every single contract that these guys have gotten with over the last few seasons has become a steal. Like Melton's already a steal. He was a steal mm-hmm. when he signed the contract, but he's even more of a steal now. Dylan Brooks's contract is one of the best in the NBA now when you look at it. Jaron oh, yeah. Jackson Jr.'s contract is already a steal. It already is. Like it's it already is from when he signed that deal to, to the flashes that we have seen this season. It's absolutely worth the money. And I think that we're gonna look up in two years and be like, we got this dude for 104 million dollars. Like and it's gonna be fantastic. So, like you said, it's I think the best thing that this front office does is that they are patient. And they just, they maximize the night that they have. They don't do panic moves, which I enjoy. And one of my resolutions is actually going to be something about the trade deadline and about just, you know, you don't need to make, you don't necessarily have to make a move this year. It'd be great if you do, but you don't have to. And I think that that's a really good spot for the Grizzlies to be in because the last few seasons, it has always felt like they are one player away. They're one player away. When this season, it's like, we, can, we might have a group of guys that we can make a run with. I like think if they can go out and get a disgruntled star, sure. But like you said, is it worth the depth? Is it worth giving up all the depth that they have, the chemistry that they have? And I mean, you know, do you want to stop this train? If, if that is a tough decision that they're going to have to make.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to go ahead and get into our resolutions because we've been kind of just hinting at all of them for the past like 10 minutes or so. But I really want to talk about yours. I think ours is a little uh, intertwined, but your, yours, it sounds like you don't want them to make any moves or at least
1: no, yeah. So my, moves, I guess. Right. My resolution would be for the trade deadline is don't force anything. If you don't get a deal that you think that you can win, basically don't make a deal unless you win it. That's kind of my resolution for the trade deadline. If you can get a disgruntled star, that's a little bit different but I, it doesn't seem like that there's going to be really a shot at one this season. And like, it seems like that everything's kind of calmed down. And I don't want, I mean, I, Ben Simmons is a good player. I don't want anything to do with him just because of the locker room stuff. It, it, he's just a headache. So just don't force anything. If you, if you don't, and you know, a guy like Tyus Jones, it's okay. I think to let a guy like him walk for, for, if you don't get anything back, you got two picks with them in the trade that you, or the deal that you made with him. you got two picks with them there. If he had just has to walk this offseason, he's gotta walk. And I am okay with that because I would like I him riding the season out with the team, I think is the value that you would get in a trade back from. I just don't see anyone giving us anything that's of value for Tyus Jones at the deadline. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I will ask you this because I guess this is a popular one that comes up with um at least it comes up with like Joe, like what I'm talking about with Joe and the other and Brandon and the other guys at DBB is i feel like if any of the guys are moved if you probably put like a one one a one b it's probably kyle anderson and jared culver Uh, both those guys are expiring contracts kyle anderson was a part of the last front office uh, regime and what, what if you can like find a deal to where let's say you deal kyle anderson and even if you get back like a flyer type guy with two second round picks but in the process, kind of like what they did with Grayson Allen with Desmond Bain, you're freeing up more opportunities for Brandon Clark. And as I, I shared today, he's averaging – when he plays 20 or more minutes, he's averaging 14 points, 8 rebounds, and he's shooting 73% from the field. And his shooting efficiencies are looking a lot closer to his rookie season, which was, like, pretty historic. I mean, his three-point shot isn't there, but everything else, like – in inside the arc he's just been a monster like would you do something like that or is it still just kind of like a, hey let's just kind of if it, if it isn't broke don't fix it let's just keep this going
1: no i'd be totally cool with a move like that because we're not forcing anything like that like that my resolution is just do not force a trade at the deadline don't do a trade for the sake of making a trade which i don't think that they will this front office is smart enough and they've they've gotten enough credit to where I don't assume that that's what they're going to do, but th- that is a move that they have a plan with. It, it's, it's, it is addition by subtraction, exactly like you said, very similar, like the Jonas Junis move, the Grayson Allen move. I would be totally fine with that because, I mean, you know my feelings about Brandon Clark. I'm a massive Brandon Clark fan. I mean, the dude has a PER of 23 this year, which is ridiculous, but more minutes for Brandon Clark is something that I'm a big fan for. And if that means moving, a guy like Kyle Anderson, that's okay with me because I think, you know, I I really enjoy Kyle Anderson as a player. I don't think he affects the ceiling for the Grizzlies in a huge way. So I don't think that moving off of him and giving more minutes to Brandon Clark, if anything, I think that that might improve the team, you know. And Jared Colbert, good for him, man. You see, he's showing some value. And if the Grizzlies can throw him into a deal and get some value, fantastic. Thanks for being a Memphis Grizzly, man. I've enjoyed watching him play. I was a big fan of him coming out of college. So I'm excited to to see him get a little bit of a run and, you know, maybe get a little bit more juice because I hope he hangs around the league. I don't think he'll ever really be like an impact player, but you know, he could be a rotation guy on some playoff team somewhere. So it's uh yeah, I would absolutely be okay with the move like that.
0: Yeah. Probably the, one of the coolest like side developments from last night's game. Obviously the main development was John Morant, just looking like the best player on the floor, even though James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant were on the floor. It's just Jared
1: Culver looks like an NBA guy. Like he he's in no fear. He's just like mm. he is. He has hit buckets in the face of Durant and LeBron within like the last two weeks.
0: <laughs> Bro. He tried to dunk on Kevin Durant like three different
1: yeah. times. Got blocked <laughs> on tired. every single one. Love the audacity. Like, F it. I'm going for it, man. But that's that killer mentality that this locker room has. Like that is, that is a Grizzlies thing. It is a, I am going to try to murder you every time I have the basketball. And I think that that comes directly from guys like John Rant and Dylan Brooks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like Jared Culver, he may not be the guy that people thought of, thought he could be when he came out of the draft, but like he could be let like a, an emergency 11th man somewhere yeah I'm it like, could be a
1: Conchar for somebody yeah,
0: like just go, like go be like a John Conchar for someone or hell even if it's Memphis who knows but the yeah. fact that Jared Culver is looking like an NBA player where when quite quite frankly he was probably like one of the worst players in the league in Minnesota pretty positive development another testament to the culture yes. uh, that the Grizzlies have said but also to another point earlier in the Timberwolves, just like a microchasm of just how much of a shit show that's been for the past 20 years. So it's getting better.
1: It's getting better. Getting better. You know, they're, I, I, they're a really I rock fun with the team this year.
0: Oh, yeah. I rock with Anthony Edwards. Dude's like top five, one of the most yeah. fun dudes in the league.
1: Well, and he's got that FU attitude. Like that, it's, I wish that there was a metric that you could do with players coming out of college or high school, or the G League or, or whatever, that you could like measure, like, how much FU does this dude have in them um, because it matters.
0: Yeah. I need to talk to, my major draft guys about that. I think if that's like a job for anyone, I think that's a job for like J. Kyle Man. I think that's like a job yeah. for him to do that. But I, I want to share my my uh New Year's resolution for this year because it kind of ties into yours and kind of ties into the conversations on this player. Is I want them to figure out how they want to do the backup point guard situation because they have a lot of different avenues. I don't think you trade Tyus Jones at all at the trade deadline. You just Play, I wouldn't say play with fire because there's no fire to play with. Just play with the cards and see what happens in the off season. If he fits your price range, you hop all over that because Tyus Jones is an elite backup point guard to have. Uh, if if he gets priced out, cool, whatever. But I wouldn't trade him just because it's like, oh crap, he's an expiring contract. Right. We have to get value for him. No, his that's, value yeah, is the, his value is the fact that he's a guy that you can run on the floor if something happens to John Morant. That's the value in Tyus Jones that you're getting the value that if you need jaw off the floor for 10 minutes in the playoffs, you have a guy that could run your offense. That's your value right. in Tyus Jones. It's not a second round pick. Miss me exactly. with that.
1: But exactly. So I, I, I guess I would almost change my resolution is maybe let's don't force a trade with Tyus Jones. That would be my, how about that? That's my resolution. Yeah.
0: Don't, so in mine is to just figure out the backup point guard spot because like if that's the case, fine, whatever. They like you said earlier, they have Tyrell Terry that could be a good developmental point. I think that's definitely worth exploring. Yeah, uh, he has a in college he had a lot of uh, shot creation juice, and I think he could be a, kind of a little bit of a microwave guy uh, if he can just get everything all set. Uh, I think his uh, d- the developmental opportunity that he could have with the Memphis Hustle is going to be very beneficial because. Uh, they had a mock Haver who's been doing really good running the offense down in the G league, but they just need one more like lead ball handler down there. I think Tyrell Terry could do that for them. So you have Tyus Jones, you have Tyrell Terry. Uh, do you want to like kind of experiment with what they were doing when Jaw was out and basically have a committee kind of deal where you have basically Desmond Bang, D'Anthony Melton, and then one more front court creator running your offense. I think that could be some really fun stuff to really just add some more juice to Steven Adams' playmaking. Like, I like that route a lot. Or, I mean, you have three first-round picks. They won't make three first-round picks. I think, though, I think they should make two. I think they should go get a wing. Just keep trying to chase that big wing that you want. But also just use the second one on a backup point guard because that's cost-controlled asset for four years. Like, if you're picking a backup point guard in the 20s with the Jazz pick, Or even in like the mid to low or mid to low twenties in the Grizzlies pick, you're going to have a backup point guard for about two to three mil each year for four years. I think that's great value right there. Whether that's going to get uh, Briarcrest Saint, God, I wish Brandon was on this podcast for this Briarcrest Saint (laughs) Kennedy Chandler.
1: I mean, that's a home run. Like if that happens, that's a home run. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or do you go get? JD Davidson from or Davison from Alabama, Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. There's a lot of good quality point guards in in this draft that could be quality backups for John Morant um, for the next four years. Like it's just one of those things I want to see what direction they're going to go down because there will be a decision this year. And it's going to be very important when you are building around a John Morant team when he has a super max because like you, you can't afford to be paying more than the mid-level exception for a backup point guard. And that's what Ty yeah. Jones could eventually get. Who knows, but unless, unless you're very comfortable, you, you should only really be doing that. If the guy that you have can play a lot of minutes next to John Moran and with just John ties, it's fun. They have a lot of playmaking juice, a lot of offensive juice, but they're just, it's small. It's small. I don't know if you could do that in a playoff setting but I just want to see how they do that because there's a lot of different avenues and I can, I think it get pretty fun to be honest.
1: Yeah. I mean, and to a point that we were kind of making earlier too is that, you know, we trust the front office to make those picks. We trust that if they are in the twenties and Kennedy Chandler's floating around and they have let, and you know, we already know that they're letting Tyus walk because of the price thing. And they're going to try to get a backup point guard. If he's sitting there, they're going to go get him. They'll make a deal to go get him. They'll do or they'll go get a, a backup point guard. That's that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. Maximizing the money. This team is really good at maximizing the money that they have because we are a small market team. And that's why it is so damn impressive that you have guys one through 15 like that in a small market. It is so hard to do that with with the money that they have. It is it's kind of remarkable that they have put together this team. And that's why. Yeah. It's a backup point guard in the draft would be beautiful, especially if they can find someone in the 20s because I trust them to make the right pick.
0: That's really the big thing is that we there, there's trust that they're going to make the right pick. Uh, there's trust in the developmental system with the Grizzlies. That, as, I think especially this season, we're seeing why we should trust this front office and trust the coaching staff when it comes to developing guys like Zaire Williams and Santi Aldama because those weren't um, – I'm trying to figure out the right word for it. They weren't exactly hired, but they weren't popular. They weren't popular on draft night. This wasn't right. This wasn't us taking a uh, collective shots when the Grizzlies traded up for Brandon Clark. This wasn't <laughs> it's still
1: one of the most joyous nights of my life.
0: <laughs> oh, I swear, dude, this isn't like getting an adrenaline rush when the Grizzlies trade up to the 30th pick because they're either going to draft Desmond Payne or Tyrell Terry. Jokes on the league and especially the Dallas Mavericks, they now have both. So we have
1: both. <laughs> yeah. But oh my God. Just like uh mainly the it. jokes on the Everybody doc. can just suck it. That's the only thing I have to say about Desmond Bain to suck it. Yeah. But
0: yeah. So I th- I think basically this whole overarching thing is just kind of like there- there's trust because one through 15, you can count on guys to contribute any given night. Granted, does it happen every single night? No, because it's the NBA. It's ebbs and flows. It's an 82-game season. Some guys aren't going to have it some nights, and that's totally fine. But for the most part, you can really count on whoever has to take the floor to take the floor because of the system. And I I think the way they got in play right now is pretty good. And when it comes to, like, that goal of sustainable success, you want to have a good system that you can plug and play guys in.
1: Right, and that's the and that's one of the reasons that you're seeing, you know, like Taylor Jenkins win Coach of the Year this year. And to be quite honest, he should be in the conversation, or Coach of the Month. I'm sorry, he yeah. should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. With uh, it's probably going to be him, JB Bickerstaff, Steve Kerr. Like it's probably going to be that group. Billy Donovan should be in there. Budenholzer is probably going to be in there too. And that group, I mean that's a great group for you to have a head coach in. And he is a young head coach and he's already established himself as someone that can build a culture. And to be honest, that can deal with superstar personalities because like, I mean, John can be temperamental sometimes. And it seems like he has a really good relationship with Taylor Jenkins, which I think is valuable moving forward. So it's just, I mean, the only other resolution I would have is just like, don't get hurt. And like, but I feel like that that's not really a fair one to make, but like just don't get hurt. If this team doesn't get hurt, it's going to be kind of a, because it's still kind of like this cherry on top type of season. You know what I mean? Like it, it, everything's kind of gravy now. Like they they've shown us the development that we wanted to see, just continue doing it. Just keep, just keep on pace is all I want. To, all I want this team to do. They're, they're, I highly doubt that they're going to be able to be the number one team in the NBA every single month moving forward. Like they're probably, they might have a slump here or two, but just stay on target. And, and if they can just stay in that four seed, that would be fantastic. That's a major success of a season, especially with some of the criticism that they got this offseason. For the love of God, can we stop talking about the Jonas Valanciunas trade? Like, it, it, like, stuff like that drives me crazy when it's, we're, we're now how many games into the season, and if they have a, a bad game, all of a sudden people are like, well, Jonas could have done that. It's like, shut up. It's like, Jonas is not doing it. Like, he's having a great season in New Orleans, but he doesn't affect winning the way. Like, that's the whole point. It's every move that this team makes is for winning it's not for individual players it's not well this guy can put up 35 this night so we've got to go get him sometimes and it's like no it's does Steven Adams help this team win more than Jonas Valanciunas does yes that's why they went and they got him it has nothing to do with Jonas being a bad player or them disliking Jonas and it has everything to do with Steven Adams is just a better fit and that's why I like this front office they go and they get fit they get style. They don't care about the name. They care about what your production is. And I think that that is why this front office and that and why Taylor Jenkins and his coaching staff are so good because they don't care what your name is. They care about your production. And I think at the end of the day, that is keeping basketball simple. And that's why I love them.
0: Absolutely. Yep. So and I, I think this is just it, – it's a fun time right now to, to be yeah. a fan of this Enjoy team. Enjoy it. I mean.
1: Enjoy it, there's no, there's no stakes yet with this team, you know. Like there's not the championship window is like, like we can see it in the distance, but we haven't opened it yet. You know what I mean? Like we're moving towards it, but we haven't like got started opening yet. It, so it's just gravy. Enjoy it. It's it's so much fun. Like this is one of the best parts of fandom in NBA is when you're you're at the beginning, you're at the dawn of something, and they are at the dawn of a potential superstar. Which are, or not potential? He is a superstar, but like a potential, like contender every single year is what this team could be. And just enjoy this moment right now. Enjoy this moment right now. Don't put too much stakes on it. Just enjoy it.
0: Absolutely, and I I know that's one hell of a closing right there. But do you have anything else that you like to close with for today's show?
1: I don't. I don't. I think I got everything out. Just give BC more minutes. That's the last thing I have to say.
0: I swear. see. I I can't. I can't keep pushing. The my agenda is there with Brandon Clark. Everyone knows that. See, I had free BC to get him on the floor. Now that he's playing minutes, I can't push it anymore and be like, hey, now I need it to be like 25 minutes a night. Just I think too, just I think they do want to see how he continues to hold up. He has had a yeah. lot of na- like nagging swornness injuries over his career. So just seeing if he can handle that long-term workload would be pretty nice. But for the most part, the fact that he's back. We, we called that. It's great to see. Love to see it.
1: Yeah, it's just it, – because he's a good dude too. It's easy to it, – this team's easy to root for. They're a bunch of good dudes. And then you have Dylan Brooks pissing everybody off, which is fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah. It, it's exactly what you want. You, it's exactly what you want in a teenage chair for. You don't have anybody where they're – I'm trying to think of it. I can't, I'm trying to think of the right PG word um they're not arrogant jerks i guess like i'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna get too much into it like or anything but i remember when i was a little kid i was like seven or eight years old i was doing the, the mvp at the game where you can like high five the players as they're going through the starting lineup little uh runway and like the the per the season ticket holder told us they're like hey uh, don't don't reach out your hand to get high fives from jay will he doesn't
1: like that and i'm just yeah. like
0: okay Like, all right. They're Um,
1: humble. They're a humble group of guys. I don't know about Dylan. Dylan might not be super, but he's humble in that. Like he knows what he is. You know what I mean? He leans into it, which I enjoy. They know who they are.
0: Exactly. But just if you want like the TLDR version of this podcast, when it comes to long view, the Grizzlies have a lot of depth. It's going to help them long-term building out a roster around massive contracts. Uh, The culture's in play to where you can plug in, play guys in. It doesn't even matter. And Tyus Jones is valuable, but you got to figure out the backup point guard situation. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that about sums it up. Right.
1: Nailed it. And this team's just kind of fun. So enjoy the moment that, I guess my other resolution would be enjoy it and uh, don't put too much stakes on this season. Just enjoy it.
0: Exactly. But Connor, it's a blast. As always let the people know where they can find you and your work.
1: Yeah, man. You can follow me on Twitter at C Dunning929. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but I'm going to be hosting Hamilton Trivia at Real Garden at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, listen to BetQLU and the action. We'll be back this Saturday from 11 to 3 doing college basketball. I'll uh, follow me on Twitter and I'll, I'll send out the links for that. You can watch us on Twitch, YouTube. You can listen to us on 790 The Bet, which 790 AM ESPN station is now 790 The Bet shout out betql uh you can also find us on twitch i may have already said that odyssey app um sounding color podcast we should be coming back soon we've had like a two-month hiatus on that just because we both got crazy and then COVID stuff happened and you know i think isaiah and i within the past month i think each of us have seen like 15 new movies or something like that because we we're trying to get ready for the oscar season and all that stuff so we should have a new sounding color soon Uh, So make sure you're following that on Twitter. Make sure you follow Isaiah, too, at Isaiah Downey, because he always does movie reviews. He just put out one for Licorice Pizza, which was the fantastic PTA new movie that came out. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm kind of everywhere. So (laughs) You really are. I I think I hit everything. Yeah, I'm just – I'm tired. (laughs) I I understand, man. I'm having fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, y'all need – at all of Connor's endeavors follow along with that. Whether it's Giannotto and Jeffrey, his trivia nights, those are really fun. Oh yeah,
1: did I say that? Did I say Giannotto and Jeffrey? I don't even know Giannotto said... and Jeffrey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Jeffrey from two to four CT, of course, every day on nights on ESPN. That's my number one. That's my number one priority is that show right there.
0: For sure, for sure. So yeah, whatever it is, the Giannotto and Jeffrey show, the trivia nights, which are very fun. In fact, uh, there's some nights where I just can't go because of the distance, but also to my uh, knowledge in the uh, given trivia topic. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I am not a Hamilton uh, expert, a connoisseur. I have actually not seen it yet, so. Oh, you!
1: How dare you! Um, I have your, how about another New Year's resolution for you? Is going to be to watch Hamilton.
0: Okay, that that's a good that's a good one. But geez. and then also to the BetQL stuff, that's super fun. I, I remember one of the first times I listened to it. It was uh, I just heard Connor and Jeffrey just screaming over a random spread hitting, and it was just I, – I could just feel the adrenaline from that uh, show. I know. Right
1: I, it was – I know what game that was. That was the Iowa game, and yep. they covered late. And then literally 30 seconds later, they let the other team score, and my heart was ripped out and just shown to me. Exactly. <laughs> it was awful. Uh,
0: yes, sir. But, yeah, make sure y'all are following Connor on Twitter at cdunny92.9 to – be in tap with all that fun stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure, as always, you are reading the blog over at blues.com Follow us on Twitter at SP and Grizzlies. And make sure you are liking, subscribing, and downloading Grizzly Beer Blues Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode of any of our GBB shows. GBB Live, the Long V Podcast, 3D Podcast, Core 4 Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And with that, that's it.